Hey there, and welcome to episode five of the I Am Anxiety podcast. I'm David McLaughlin, the host of the series, and as always, thanks for tuning in. So today's episode is going to be focusing on insomnia. And uh, given the year that we've just had and the way things are kicking off uh, in 2021, it seems like a good subject to start the year with uh, I imagine, um, you know, whether you're dealing with anxiety or not, the current situation with COVID may well perhaps be giving quite a lot of people um, a sleepless night or sleepless nights. So it seems like a, a good subject to start the year with. Uh, insomnia is a, a subject that's um, particularly important to me. It was uh, the worst symptom that I experienced uh, during my anxiety um, illness. And so I'm really happy and excited to be able to share what I learned about this particular symptom in the podcast. So what I'm going to cover today in this episode, just going to start by sharing a little bit about my own insomnia journey. I think it's good to hear from people who have been in a particularly bad place with anxiety generally and with a, a particular symptom generally um, if if they've then gone on to recover and, and I've certainly recovered I sleep very well these days and so I really just want to share a little bit about my own insomnia journey how insomnia came upon me um, some of the things that I did uh, to try and fight against it um, and how eventually um, I was able to to get over it um, I'm going to talk then a bit about why insomnia is a symptom of anxiety, why many of us who are dealing with anxiety illness experience insomnia. And I'll talk about the physiology of the symptom as, uh, as we've done uh, in each episode for all of the symptoms. Uh, it's really important to understand the physiology of the symptom because it, that knowledge really helps us uh, then start to apply the recovery steps. And so then finally, I'll discuss how we can apply that first of the recovery steps that I outline in the book and also in, in the series here. Um, so that first step being taking the fear out of the symptoms to reduce the, the I'm in danger messages that the amygdala was receiving. And then finally, I'll discuss how we can apply the first of the recovery steps uh, to this particular symptom. So that first step, just to remind you, was uh, taking the fear out of the symptom to reduce the quantity of I'm in danger messages uh, being received by the amygdala, that fear center. And so if you recall from previous episodes, the main way that we take the fear out of the symptom is to bring a level of acceptance to the symptom. So I'll talk a little bit about how we can start to bring some uh, level of acceptance to our insomnia to start to break that anxiety cycle and start to um, get over that symptom and move forward on our journey, uh, recovery journey. So first things first, a little bit about my own insomnia journey. So if you've read the book, you'll know that insomnia was the worst symptom I experienced. I would often think, and I wrote about this actually, that if I could just get a good night's sleep, if I could just get over the insomnia, then I felt like I could deal with all the other symptoms that anxiety was throwing at me. You know, the dizziness, the shaking hands, the racing heart, the depersonalization, the, the brain fog, everything. I, I really felt like if I could just get a good night's sleep, um, I could probably be okay. You know, I, I could get through the day um, in a much better way. And that's not surprising. 
you know, whether you're dealing with anxiety or not, if you have a bad night's sleep, anybody, the next day is always often a bit of a nightmare. Um, we just don't function well when we're not sleeping. Um, sleep is crucial for our survival. It's during sleep that our brain performs a lot of the really important tasks uh, that are required in the brain in relation to memory. So turning a lot of those um, thoughts and memories into short-term and long-term memory, memory and just, it's just sort of, um, it's a bit of a, a time during sleep when the brain does all of that um, maintenance work that's required. So we don't function well uh, when we're not sleeping. And if you're not sleeping consistently, um, then you know that can really start to become debilitating. So it became debilitating for me and insomnia wasn't something that crept up on me. It actually came upon me quite suddenly. I had already been experiencing quite a few of the symptoms. One night I went to bed and I had a strange sensation that, you know, like I couldn't swallow. And so I spent a lot of night, uh, a lot of the night just sort of focusing on this weird sensation. Um, and I didn't sleep much that night. And um, really from that moment on, I didn't sleep uh, well at all for a number of years. It was it was one of the symptoms that lingered the longest for me and probably the most difficult to finally get over um, simply because it was so debilitating. And the insomnia was the symptom that led me to um, the doctor, to my GP most frequently. Um, and it was also the symptom that, that um, led to me uh, taking a variety of different or being prescribed a variety of different medications just to try and get some sleep. Um, I talk a bit about this, you know, for me, nothing seemed to work either. You know, I take it and still lie there staring at the ceiling or they'd give me something. At one point I was prescribed some very heavy duty antipsychotic medications. Obviously I wasn't in a psychosis, but the doctor felt this might give me a good night's sleep. And, you know, I certainly did sleep that night, but woke up, you know, feeling a little bit brain dead. So I sort of felt like I couldn't win really. And so what ended up happening for me is that I really became completely fixated and consumed by sleep. Uh, or the lack of sleep. It occupied every, you know, moment uh, when I was awake. All of my thinking, you know, during the day, planning, thinking about what I could do, what I could do differently. Um, should I have a warm bath, a warm shower? Should I try meditating? Should I try drinking some chamomile tea? What medication to, should I take? How much of it should I take? What if I took too much and couldn't function the next day? What if I didn't take enough um, and still spent the night staring at the ceiling? Um, you know, I just, it was all consuming. It was all I could think about. I just felt so brain dead day after day from the lack of sleep that getting some sleep was my number one priority. And it, it was really all I could think about. Um, I remember one particularly bad night, you know, sort of lying in bed, um, starting to cry. It was just so awful and sort of shouting at the ceiling or talking to God or whoever was listening, you know, why do you hate me? Why have you done this to me? You know, I'm a good person. Why, why, why have you made my life so unbearable? Um, and that is not a nice place to be. So if you are dealing with insomnia, I understand, I empathize, empathize and I sympathize. It's, it's very, very difficult, but take heart in the fact that my insomnia was extremely bad and extremely debilitating and I now sleep wonderfully well um, and you can too it takes some time but you can get there 
So in terms of why insomnia is a symptom of anxiety, when you start to break down the physiology of it, you know, it's, it's, it's no surprise. Obviously, as we've talked about in some of the other episodes, we understand that um, from a physiological perspective, one of the reasons why we get caught in this anxiety cycle is because our amygdala keeps triggering those adrenal glands to release the stress hormones, cortisol, um, and the more cortisol that's released, that feedback loop back into the brain and back into the amygdala means that amygdala gets better and better at doing its job. And so we get better at being stressed. We get better at being worried. And we've talked quite a lot about that. So it's hardly surprising then that when we lie down to go to sleep, hoping, wanting to relax and allow our, our body and mind to, to fall into sleep, it's hardly surprising that our mind has got a completely different idea or, or when we lie down whilst we you know want to or, or whilst we are completely safe and should be falling asleep the amygdala is protecting you the amygdala is ready for a fight so how how could we sleep you know we might be going through the motions but from the brain's point of view from the point of view of what the amygdala is doing you're in trouble there's no way you're getting to sleep it's on high alert it's protecting you you know you're in danger lying in bed as far as that amygdala is concerned. That's the message that's being fed to it on repeat over and over again. It is not okay. You're not safe. You're in danger. So when you think about what's actually going on physiologically, it is it is no surprise that lack of sleep and insomnia is one of the most common symptoms of anxiety illness. You know, it's, it's a symptom of any kind of stress, really, whether or not you've developed an anxiety illness. When we have um, initiated that fight or flight response, sleep is not gonna come. And if, if, if you're just um, dealing with the worries of the day and your amygdala hasn't you know, yet gotten into that sort of hyperactive mode, then you know, eventually you will fall, to, you will fall asleep and you, you know, you, you'll relax and calm down. But when you get to the stage that we've been at, that I was at, when you've developed that anxiety illness and you know, that fight or flight response is just triggered for no reason all the time. Sleep just won't come, you know, it's almost impossible. So from that physiological perspective, you can really understand why, and that's helpful. Having that knowledge, um, and it's the same for the other symptoms, having that knowledge of why we have a particular symptom is incredibly helpful when it comes to starting to think about how we then uh, start to bring some acceptance to that symptom and start to take the fear out of that symptom. So because my anxiety was so bad, before I get on to talking about um, some of those um, things that we do to uh, start removing the fear and bringing a level of acceptance to it, to the symptom, I just want to share some things that I learned and some information that I acquired during my struggle with anxiety that I think is really helpful. And when I say struggle, it really was a struggle. And that's why, you know, as we've talked about, we do stay stuck because we're constantly struggling. You know, we just resist and fight and fight these symptoms because they're so awful. Not knowing that it's this resistance and this fight that just keeps feeding that cycle of fear and worry that is telling your brain, no way, uh uh, you can't go to sleep, you're in danger. So, you know, it really was a struggle. But, um, Mine was so bad that I actually, you know, I, during my illness, I saw a number of psychiatrists, a number of psychologists, countless GPs, and I've, I've talked about this in the book, took countless different types of medication. But 
one of the more helpful people that I went to see um, was a sleep psychologist. So someone who specializes in the psychology of sleep and helping people who are, de- who are dealing with sleep issues, sleep disorders, insomnia. And there was a few things that she told me that I remember leaving, uh, you know, and they just really resonated with me. And they, they really helped me um, start to bring a level of acceptance to the insomnia so that I could start to remove um, the fear. And there were things that I just really hadn't thought about. One of the first things that she told me um, was that it's quite natural to wake up multiple times during the night. Now, this was news to me. I, before I developed insomnia, was convinced that I slept soundly, you know, through the night. On an odd occasion, I might wake up, but I'd be, you know, roll over and look at the clock and be delighted that I had four or five hours more sleep and, you know, would very quickly fall back asleep again. When I had insomnia, if I did manage to, to fall over to a sleep, I felt like I was waking up, you know, constantly through the night. Every few minutes, I would sort of come out of slumber with a, with a fright, you know, a sort of, <gasps> and, and wake. And so I was convinced that this, this um, waking up frequently during the night meant that I wasn't resting, I wasn't sleeping, and that, that, you know, I was in a really bad place. So one of the things that she said to me was, it's actually really normal to wake up a lot during the night. Most people do it. The difference is that when you do it, when you're not dealing with an anxiety illness, you don't really remember it. It's not a big deal. You know, you sort of wake up for a microsecond um, and fall back asleep again. But because for us, we're just on high alert. Every time we wake up, you know, we, we first of all, we're terrified that we've woken up because we're so desperate to get some sleep. And secondly, part of the reason we're waking up is because our brain is telling us, quick, check if there's any danger. So we wake up and we're hyper aroused. So of course we remember it. And actually, you, you can't move when you're sleeping. So anytime that we move during the night when we're in bed, we're actually awake, even if it's for a fraction of a second. So that was the first thing that helped. It, it made me sort of reconsider the, the thoughts that I'd built up in my mind around my sleep and that um, any time I woke up a few times meant that I hadn't gotten a good night's sleep, that um, you know I wasn't sleeping properly. So remind yourself of this. It's actually quite normal to wake up a lot during the night. Um, we just don't normally remember it. So not, you know, these days I don't really remember it. I'm sure I wake up, um, but I, you know, I, I don't really pay much attention to it because I know that I'll fall back asleep again. One of the other things she talked to me about was that um, whilst it feels like we aren't sleeping all night long, two things, you're probably getting a little bit more than you think you are. Um, and the second thing she said was that the brain will always take, will take what it needs. You know, it will take enough sleep. It will override um, whatever's going on in the amygdala to get enough sleep so that it can perform those necessary um, functions in terms of sorting through, you know, memories and, and um, doing all those sort of um, very important things that are important for survival that the brain does when we're asleep. So she she really made me stop and think that, okay, whilst I might not be getting enough sleep, my brain is smart enough to take enough so that uh, I'm not in any danger of, of having some sort of um, brain problem or issue because of my lack of sleep. Sure, I feel wretched day after day because I'm not sleeping enough and it's not deep restful sleep, but it is enough 
to let my brain do the necessary work that it needs to do um, to, to keep my, my mind in a healthy working order. Um, the third thing that she said that, that really struck me was um, she talked to me a bit about, uh, or she used an analogy of um, parents who have a newborn child at home and how those parents really don't get much sleep at all, you know, for the first, you know, 6, 12, 24, 36 months um, when a child uh, comes home, particularly the mother, if the mother is breastfeeding and has to get up multiple times during the night, you know, the parents, they're not sleeping a lot and they feel exhausted and wretched and terrible, you know, each day. And, you know, um, any mother who might be listening will know that it's not certainly not fun. But what parents don't do is become fixated um, about their lack of sleep or afraid of going to sleep. They don't develop insomnia. You know, when when it's quiet, they can sleep. And that's because they haven't built up this fear of sleep. Um, they just have a different attitude about it. They understand that there's a child who will wake them up. And so that's what happens and they accept. But we don't accept that insomnia is a symptom of our anxiety illness. And therefore, whilst we're dealing with that illness, we won't get enough sleep. We don't accept that. But new parents do accept that they won't. So there's just a different way of framing the lack of sleep that new parents have that we don't. So keeping that in the back of my mind also just really helped, helped me understand that a lot of it was just about the fear that I had built up. And if I could start to remove that by remembering and understanding um, the, the, the physiology in the brain and why I wasn't getting the sleep and um, why insomnia is such a common symptom of anxiety, um, that all really helped. So in terms of starting to take the fear out of the symptoms, those tips that that sleep psychologist gave me are really, are really important. Really, really, I do encourage you to, to, to think about those because, you know, for all of these symptoms, knowledge really is power. And the more knowledge that we equip ourselves with about each of our different symptoms and our illness as a whole, the more able we are to understand at a deeper level what's going on for us. And with that understanding comes less fear. And um, the less fear that we have, then the less uh, the amygdala is triggering those um, adrenal glands to release those stress hormones. And we slowly start to break that cycle. So putting that into practice is challenging. I, I'm not going to pretend that going to bed a few nights in a row and reminding yourself that um, it's normal to have insomnia and that your brain will take enough sleep um, and that, you know, maybe you can just reframe insomnia. It's not really gonna make you feel all that much better in the short term. It really is a gradual process, like all of these um, symptoms, like all of this, um, the recovery process as a whole. Remember, it's taken a long time to become this unwell, so it does take a long time to get out of it, but you can, and this is the way to do it. So. Just sort of, you know, if you wake up on a particular morning and you feel, you know, as you will, as I did day after day, wretched. I, you know, I can remember crying in the shower. It's, it's just awful. It's awful. I really do understand how awful it is. Trust me. Um, it's awful. But just being able to have a little sort of gentle chat with yourself in the shower. Okay, I've had another bad night's sleep, but I know why. I know why I haven't slept well. I know what's going on in my brain. 
I know that I've gotten a bit, you know, I might not get that much tonight again, but I know I'll be okay. Just slowly starting to incorporate that type of self-talk into your routine can really help. Um, and little by little, you really do start to remove the fear from the symptom. And the more and more fear you remove from it and remove from all the other symptoms simultaneously, the more that you really do start to interrupt that cycle and you know that amygdala starts to become less hyperactive and you slowly get on the road to recovery. I'm a really big advocate for self-talk. I think um, you know positive self-talk when you're trying to implement some of these techniques is incredibly helpful, and I would do a lot of it. Um, you know, like I said, in the morning, in the shower, sometimes I would do it, but I would also do it when I got into bed at night sometimes as well. Just things like you know whether out loud or in my mind, you know, saying it um, just to myself, but just things like, okay, I'm okay. There's no danger here. There's nothing to fear. Um, I know I'm okay. You know, Brian, you can do what you like. Amygdala, do what you like. I know you're going to give me a lot of stress hormone. I know you're going to make my heart race. I know you're going to make it hard to sleep, but that's okay. I know why. And I'm okay with it. You know, stuff like that. Uh, I personally found that really helpful, sort of just to take a little bit of control. So the symptom becomes something that you have um, a different relationship with. You know, you start to move the relationship from one of fear, terror, and avoidance to one of understanding, one of acceptance, um, one of um, I'm okay with you. You know, I don't like you, but I can coexist with you whilst I need to because I understand that I'm not well. I understand that you're a symptom of my illness and I understand that you'll go away because I'm now starting to practice what I need to to recover. So whenever, whenever and wherever you can, um, I think self-talk is great um, because, you know, like all of these um, symptoms, you, will, you start to apply these techniques, but you'll have days when you just feel like you can't or you'll feel like you've, your insomnia is worse than, ever, when, worse than ever or you've taken two steps backwards. In days like those, uh, self-talk is incredibly helpful because it can really just reframe your way of thinking, get you out of that negative um, thinking that, that you can't do this, that it's worse than, worse than ever, and back into that more positive thinking that, yes, I can do this. I understand what's going on for me. I don't like it, but I know what I need to do. So hopefully that is helpful to you. Um, you know, I know that insomnia is incredibly debilitating, but really starting to incorporate some of these um, different techniques for the different symptoms, like I said, it really does start to, to get you on the road to recovery, which is exactly where we want to be. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, that's it for this week. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Mm -hmm.